Now, for the last two, last week and this week, we are doing what we call a Vision Sunday. And what that means is this, that few months ago, me along with a team of people from the church that serve in different departments, we got together and we usually meet together every four to six weeks or so. And, and when we meet together, you know, we talk about the church, how to do things in the church, how to sharpen things and, and just stuff like that. And, and when we did that, I did two sessions with them. Um, at the end of it, you know, people suggested that, hey, why don't we do it for the whole church, you know? And so that's what we are doing. We are teaching on the concept of the local church and some practical things. So this is not our normal teaching things that we do every Sunday, but we just felt like to talk about the church and some of the things and ways that the church functions. Because most people, they go to church, but they've never been taught regarding the importance of the local church. And so that's what we are doing. And so last Sunday, I began a series called A Church on Fire. And looking at the New Testament concept of the local church. And last week, I laid some foundation down. Today, I'm going to do the second part, what I call the framework. Some basic, simple things uh, that are there uh, that I want to kind of lead you into. And so as we do that, I'm going to just go back for a few moments. And not review everything, but just to take a skimmed look at what we looked at last week and then take you a bit further. Is that okay? okay. And so let's start with the scripture verse in the book of Ephesians, chapter number 5, verse 2. Let's read together. 3, 2, 1. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love cautious but extravagant he didn't love in order to get something from us but to give everything of himself love like that amen i like this scripture verse there are many scripture verses in the book of ephesians and especially in this chapter that are my favorite you know and especially in chapter number five i've got about six or seven favorite verses and this is one of them he said listen mostly what god does he loves you Amen? He loves you. Not only that, he says, keep company with him and learn what love is. Anytime you have a problem loving somebody, just think of yourself. Just think of how much patience God has with you. Just think of how much room God makes for you. <laughs> and then they say, with that same love, learn to love others. God, as I have been loved, help me to love others. God, as much as you've had patience with me, help me to have patience with others. Some of you, that's all you need to hear. You can go home now. Because sometimes the basics of our life are, are very different. And so he says, observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. Extravagant. Why? There are some people, when you read the scriptures, they did something. If it was today's day, we would have run the other way. And when they did wrong, Jesus pulled and leaned into them. And he said, listen, I don't condemn you. <laughs> hey, listen, I am for you. He leaned into them. Why? Because he is love. He loves us extravagant. Amen? And so God is a God of love. And so last week we asked this question, well, what does God love? 
We looked at it last week that God loves the world. The famous verse of Christianity is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only and begotten son. And so God loves the world. And so if God loves the world, then we need to spend time with God to learn how to love the world in a proper, healthy, biblical way. In the way that Jesus loves the world. Amen. If Jesus loved the world, that means people are significant. That people matter. Amen. Would you look at your neighbor this morning and do a faith statement with me? Would you look at your neighbor and and look at them eye to eye and say, neighbor, you matter to God. Therefore, you matter to me. Amen. Hopefully, it wasn't a faith statement. Come on, look at your other neighbor, the second choice. And say, neighbor, you are significant in God's eyes. Therefore, I think you are significant. Amen. And so God loves the world. Amen. And so I need to spend time. God, how do I love the world? Number two, God loves the church. God loves the church. We looked at it last week that Jesus loved the church redemptively. He looked at the, loved the church sacrificially. He loves the church unconditionally. What does unconditional mean? It means without condition. <laughs> without condition. He says he loves the church. Let, let me show you something. I've been preaching now for a little over 27, 28 years. And, and, and I have never seen anybody be successful in life who's not committed to a local church. I've ne- never seen anybody become the fullness of who God has for them who's not plugged into a local church. Why is that? Because God uses people to sharpen you, to Take things that are, not, that, that are not right out of your life. It's through people he works on your attitude. It's through people he works on your behavior. Yes. Amen. Hello, somebody. And the hardest thing you'll ever do in life is to be part of a local church. Why? Because the church is full of people. The Bible says something like this in Proverbs 14, 14. It says, where there is no oxen, the crib is clean. Let me give you an IV version, Nikki's international version. When there is a church and there is no people, no problems. But if there is a church and there are 100 people, you got 200 problems. Why? Because there are people from all kinds of culture, all kinds of background, all kinds of thinking, all kinds of weird things. And God puts them in a box together and he says, hey, learn to love one another. Hello, somebody. 
And so God loves the church. And so last week, we looked at that there are some words in the Bible, throughout the Bible, that are used in different languages. For example, the Old Testament was written in the uh, Hebrew language, New Testament, Greek. And, and so there are some words that are used for the word church in the Bible. And, and there are the words like kukiron for kahal and ecclesia. And what those words mean, I, I looked at it last week and gave you the definition. And, and you can go back to our YouTube and listen to it. But, but I told you these four things. When we use the word church or when the Bible uses the word church, this is what it means. And so every time you hear the word church, it means, number one, these are people who are called out of something. For example, in, 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 in Genesis chapter number 12, it was Abram who did not know God, who was a moon worshiper. He was in a place called Ur of Chaldees. And the Bible says God called him out. Of that place. It's like Israel. They were in Egypt. Bound. uh, Under bondage. Under Pharaoh. And God called them out of Egypt. And so the word Ecclesia. It means to be called out. That means you've been called out of something. Amen. Some kind of bondage. Some kind of sin. Some kind of darkness. You've been called out. You are empowered to be free. Amen. And so church is people who are free people. Amen. They're not bound people. They are people who walk in freedom. Number two, there are people, the word ecclesiastic means not only called out. Number two, connected to God. That means you've been brought out of something and you've been connected to something. What are you connected to? God. Amen. That means you and me have an identity. That means you and me have a belonging. And so you say, do you know God? Yes. But most people don't say like that. They say, do you know God? Yes, I'm Presbyterian. (laughs) Listen, you're not a Presbyterian. Well, I'm Methodist. No, what you are, you have a belonging and an identity. You belong to God. If Presbyterian comes out of your mouth, you're connected to church and not to God. And you need to first make sure that you connect to God. Otherwise, this is, have you ever met people like this? They say things like this. Well, I don't like to go to church. Church is full of hypocrites. I don't like to go to church. Listen, the reason you don't like it is because you connected to church, not to God. Your identity comes from church. Well, they do like this and they do like this and they do like this. Did you look at your own life first? We are connected first to God. If you don't get identity from there, Guess what? Every other one will be false, including church. And so you're not a presbyter, you're not a Methodist, you're not a whatever, whatever, whatever. You are a child of God. You belong to the family of God. You have God as not only a God, but your father. Amen? And so that's where your identity comes from. And so they are called out people connected to God. Number three, they confront darkness. That means, please understand, church is not an entity by itself that, that, okay, hey, there are different things happening, and so, listen, let them do their part, let us do our part. No, church is God's secret weapon. Church is God's agent to do what? To bring everything that's in heaven, that in earth that is not lined up, to bring a lining up of those things. 
That means your schools, that means your governments, that means your families, that means your business, that means everything on earth that is not lined up with heaven's agenda, the church is responsible to bring earth in line with heaven's purpose. Am I making sense to you? There is no such thing as, well, that's the government, they can do what they want. No, they can't. Why? Because we are not on anybody's agenda. We are not on anybody's thinking. We are on God's thinking. God's agenda. We are living for his purpose. Well, they can do whatever they want. That's the school. My children are out, so I don't have to worry about it. No, you have to worry about it. Why? Because it doesn't matter your kids don't go to that school. You are worried about heaven's agenda. What is it that God wants? That's what you exist for. God called you out connected you with him, empowered you to confront darkness. Why? Because your assignment is to get everything on earth lined up to what heaven wants. Am I making sense to you? And lastly, number four is this. You've been championed to invade earth with heaven's reality. Amen? That means the Bible says, the whole earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. How? Through the church. How? Through you. It's not like God's going to come and, you know, throw some magic wands around. No. It's through you. The whole earth shall see the glory of God. How? Through you. Come on, look at your neighbor for a moment. Say, neighbor, you've been assigned by God to carry his glory and to show his glory. Amen? Amen? <laughs> And so we looked at it that, listen, this is who you are. You are called out. You're connected to God. You're confronting darkness. And you've been championed to invade earth with heaven's reality. Amen? Throughout the Bible, when you read the Bible in the New Testament after the cross, it would say something like this. Those who came to know the Lord, number one, they were added to the church. Those who came to know the Lord, they were set into the body, which is the church. They were placed into the house, what? which is the church. And so every person, listen, when you are born again, listen to this. You are born into the kingdom of God and then you are added to a local church. You are born into the kingdom of God and you are added to the local church. That means if you get saved, born again, that means you've received salvation, forgiveness of sin. The next thing that should happen is that, hey, where is God placing me? Where is God setting me? It is not your decision. It's not like, hey, I I like this church because they got great singing. I like this church because they've got some things for my children. No. You ask this question, God, where is it you are planting me? Why? Because God knows what you need. Am I making sense to you? I've always said this and I'm going to say it again. The Bible says something like this in 1 Peter chapter 2. You and me are living stones. Everybody, I'm a stone. I'm glad it doesn't say a brick. Because bricks are boring. Bricks come in the same shape and size. Right? If you look at a brick wall, it's like, you know, 8 inches, 8 inches, 8 inches, 8 inches. Eight inches. It's just boring. But stone, not the fake one, but the real one, is not so easy to put together. Not so easy. Fake ones, you can put it together very easy. But the real stones, 
very hard to chisel, very hard to fit together. If, if you do a brick wall, it's easy. You might have it done in a day or two. Stone wall might take you time. The Bible calls you stone. Very hard to put together. Why? Because a lot of chiseling has to be done. Why do I need the church? Because you need some chiseling. Why? Because of your attitudes. Because of those things that desires. And so please understand, God takes people and adds them to a group of people like the people sitting next to you and in front of you. Hello, somebody. Do you still like the church? And so, when you read the Bible, (laughs) you are responsible (laughs) to watch over each member of the body. Me? Yes. You've been told, I'm telling you this morning. This is what the Bible says, Corinthians chapter 12. It says, so that there should be no division or discord or lack of adaptation of the parts of the body to each other. But the members all alike should have mutual interest in one another's care. And if one member suffers, all parts share the suffering. If one member is honored, all the members share in the enjoyment of air. So listen, we are put together. Why? To learn to like each other. Is it easy? No. If it's easy, wrong church. Hello, somebody. And so you're called to watch over. Number two, you're responsible to restore members. What does that mean? That means somebody somewhere next to you, behind you, is going to do some stupid stuff. It's going to do some stuff maybe that they didn't think to. It's going to do some stuff that that's going to be displeasing to the life of a Christian. So do we just cut up and throw them out? No. This is what the Bible says. Galatians 6.1. It says, my beloved friends. Now anytime the Bible says beloved, you're in for some treat. My beloved friends, if you see a believer who is overtaken with a fault, may the one who overflows with the spirit seek to restore him. Win him over with the gentle words which will open his heart to you and will keep you from exalting yourself over him. Love empowers us to fulfill the law of the anointed one as we carry each other's trouble. And so please understand, as a believer, it is very important how you treat other people who mess up. It's very important how you treat other people among you who maybe don't behave the way you behave. And it first begins with attitude, then action. Because <laughs> sometimes we are nice on people's face. And then we walk out and like, oh my goodness, that really just wasted my time. Ay, 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 ay. Come and look at your neighbor for a moment. Say, neighbor, pay attention. This is not for me, this is for you. Listen. You're responsible to exhort members of the body. That means when you join the church, you're responsible to exhort members of the body. This is what Hebrews 10, 24 says. It says, discover creative ways. Hello, somebody. Discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them towards acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as an expression of love. That means you say, listen, find ways. This did not work. Okay, I'm going to find another way that works. For what? To lift somebody up. To encourage somebody. To add life. To add value. Hello, somebody. 
Now, here's this much what I want you to do for just a few moments. I want you to just kind of look around left and right of you, just for a moment. Just look around. Now, now you know, one of the, one of the things that, 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 that sometimes I get very irritated by is somebody will come to me uh, or maybe I'll go up to somebody and I'll say to them, I say, Brother Naru, and this is just illustration, this is not what Naru did, this is just illustration. <laughs> Brother Naru, hey, you know, so-and-so uh, wants help, can you please help them out? Who's that? I said, that person. I said, um, uh, can you help? Uh, what's their name? I said, they've been coming to church like one year and you don't know their name? But, but they sit ne- right next to you. Uh, yeah, but I... What? And so here's what I want to say to you. Listen, don't come to church and you sit in your favorite seat, warm up the favorite seat, and go home like you signed off a checklist. I went to church, all bad things will stop happening. Yeah. Going to church is not pulling a dot on your you know, life insurance with Jesus. That means discover creative ways to find people. He said, how can I lift up somebody? How can I add value? How, how? They don't know me, it doesn't matter. They don't like me, it doesn't matter. I like them. <laughs> Church is not about you scratch my back, I scratch your back. Church is not about if they like you, then only you like them. If that's the way, you should join the Lions Club. <laughs> Church is not... Churches doesn't matter you like me. Doesn't matter you talk bad about me. I love you. Why? Because I've been spending time with him. My identity comes from him. <laughs> but everyone talks bad about me. You go to work. You don't say, well, I don't want to work here. Everybody's against me. You still go to work. Hello, somebody. Listen, you're responsible to supply life and strengthen each other. Listen, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 8, 4, right now you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later they will have plenty and you can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. He said, listen, when you got plenty of something, look at the people who don't have and pour into their life. Now, people only think money. Oh yeah, money is a good thing. But encouragement... Life, time, when you got something, pour it into people. Hey, you know, I know you don't have time, but I've got a lot of time. And so can I use my time to, to add something to you? Can I drop your children twice a week this month just to be a blessing to you? Why would I go out of my way to drop somebody's kids? Because you're trying to love them. <laughs> hello, hello, somebody. Am I going to get the blessing from the Lord? No. You don't do it for the blessing. You do it because you learned a life of love. From who? From Jesus. Who are you? Christ-like. Come on, look at your neighbor. Neighbor, I told you this stuff is not for me. It's for you. <laughs> Listen, you're responsible to edify all members of the body. You're responsible. Listen, the Bible says in Romans 14, so stop being critical and condemning of other believers. But instead, determine never deliberately cause a brother or a sister to stumble or fall because of your actions. 
So then make it your top priority to live a life of peace with harmony in your relationships, eagerly seeking to strengthen and to encourage one another. You are responsible. Hey, listen, I know somebody has a different way than me. I don't like it, but I'm going to learn to like it. Why? Because I don't have to do, I have to love them. And when you read Romans chapter number 14, you got this division of people. Why? There are some people who are vegetarians, some people not vegetarians. And he said, listen, just because they don't like to eat food, leave them alone. That's not your connecting point. Why? Because you're not staying with them. They want to cook vegetables all their life, let them. You cook your ribeye and love them. Am I making, because that's not the connecting point. The connecting point is finding that one person and giving it 100% and say, I can love you. Hello, somebody. You're responsible to obey and submit to the leadership of the body of Christ. That means God has set people as spiritual leaders over your life. This is what the Bible says in Hebrews. I chose the message Bible to just because of its wordings. You know? It says, be responsive to your pastoral leaders. Listen to their counsel. They are alert to the conditions of your lives and work under the strict supervision of God. Contribute to the joy of their leadership, not its drudgery. Why would you want to make things harder for them? That's my favorite verse today. (laughs) She's like, why would you want to make it hard for them? Listen, the church is God's idea. The church, God is not building the kingdom. God is building the church. God's kingdom is far greater and it's established. But in that kingdom, there is a church that Jesus says, I will build my church. It's not brick and mortar. It's not denomination. It's people like you and me that God brings them together. God looks at them and says, listen, I've called you out. I've connected you. I've empowered you. And listen, I am championing you to take heaven's assignment and fulfilling it on earth. And you are going to need people for it. And so I think it's best this type of people are good for you. Hello, somebody. And so God places it. And so throughout the Bible, when you look at the church, there are many, many examples used. For example, the church in the book of Ephesians 1.22 is like an assembly, like a governmental assembly. In a government assembly, what happens when the members show up? They recognize one another. They recognize their place. They recognize that each has a voice. The church is like a human body. What does that mean? That means, uh, listen, hey, each person has a part to play. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The hand cannot say to the leg, I don't need you. It is there. It's like a workman. It's like a masterpiece, work of art. The church is a place. It's like a temple. It's like a family. There are different expressions. Why? Just to kind of give you a glimpse into what your response, what are you signing up for? Am I making sense to you? And so what I did last week is I I looked at the uh, foundation called the 5V principles. And what they are is this, number one, you need to discover what is the voice of the church. What is it that God has called us 
for? Number two, what is the vision of the church every Sunday? And then there are different places I put it up. I say, hey, listen, IFC exists for three things. And that is this, to know God, know and pursue God, is to live strong and prepare leaders. And number three, to do exploits, amen, and pilot God's purpose. That means everything that we do at IFC is only these three things. That means when we plan a Sunday morning service, we ask the question, how can people know God and pursue God? Am I making sense to you? When we do live group, we ask this question, hey, how can we make people strong and how can we prepare them to lead? That's the question we ask. Am I making sense to you? Number three, we looked at vehicles. How do we get there from A to B? We looked at some of the values and I kind of presented you about 12 values last week. And then lastly, what is the vibe in the church? That means what is the culture? You say all, what is culture? Culture is you say all these things, but this is what I feel around you. And so what you say is not important, but what I experience is important. Am I making sense to you? And so we looked at this verse in the Bible. The Bible says in Acts chapter number 16, it says, and they traveled from town to town. They presented the simple guidelines that the Jerusalem apostle leaders came up with. They turned out to be most helpful. Day after day, the congregation became stronger in faith and larger in size. Listen, for 2023, that is my verse. I am looking at it and say, how can we get stronger in faith and larger in size? God, what is it that you're building at IFC that we can get stronger in faith and reach out to as many people as possible? The Bible says in Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10, God in his kindness has taught me how to be an expert builder. I have laid the foundation and Apollos has built on it, but he who builds on the foundation must be very careful. It goes on to say in the Message Bible, remember there is only one foundation that one already laid, Jesus Christ. Take particular care in picking out the building material. Eventually there is going to be an inspection. If you use cheap or inferior materials, you'll be found out. The inspection will be thorough and rigorous. You won't get by with a thing. If your work passes inspection, fine. If it doesn't, <laughs> your part of the building will be torn down and started over. See, Nikki, what does it mean? It means this, that Jesus is building the church. And Jesus is using people to build his church. And Paul says, hey, listen, I'm one of the guys that's building this church. And I can say to you today that I'm one of the guys that Jesus is using to build the IFC. And then so he says, listen, when you build, be careful how you build. Be careful of the materials. Why? Because how you build should stand the test of fire. Should stand the test of storms. And so there are a lot of things that we make a decision in the church to do. Why? Not because we want it, but because it's the material that God chose. Am I making sense? We don't want to be a church down the street. We don't want to do this. We don't want to do that. We are not the builders. God is the builders. We are co-laboring. And so every time there's a decision to be made in the church, I look at it as like, what does God want? Am I making this? It might be a good thing, but not a God thing. Am I making sense to you? And so that's why I looked at it. But today I'm going to give you a few more things. I look at the framework. is what I call the five S principles. 
the five S principles. And so I'm gonna give you five S's very quickly and walk you through it. But before I do that, I just wanna read you a quick thing that, that uh, uh, about four, three, four months ago, uh, I read in a paper and, and, and read in an article and, and I, I put it down. It says something like this. There are 36,180 fitness clubs in the United States with total annual income exceeding 25 billion a year. And you thought you were in business with make money. Uh, listen, to be profitable, a health club needs 10 times more members than actually have physical space for, which is fine because only 18% of the people with gym memberships use them consistently. <laughs> for whatever reason, most people are just inspired enough to pay upwards of $800 a year for a gym membership, but not motivated enough to attend. The reason I, I looked at this is because this whole article was dealing with how people try to save money and what they're bothered by. And so people, they will call up their insurance company and say, hey, I'm paying too much, can you do something? They'll bring their insurance down. They'll call up their phone company and say, hey, I'm paying too much for my phone, can you do something, can you change? Bring it. But they will never call the gym membership who they've not been for six months. To cancel it. Why? Hope. It's on the plan. It's on the agenda that this week I'm going to make it there. Now, as much as you might need it, you don't have the motivation. The reason I point that out to you is because I don't care how much I talk that Jesus loves the church and that you need to be part of the church. It's the same principle. You might know the truth about it, but you're not motivated to be part of the local church. Hello, somebody. And so, it doesn't matter if you need something or not. Somewhere along the line, we've got to find motivation to say, okay, hey, I know this is the truth, but actually I'm going to and so I, I talk about what I call the five S principles. Why? Because we are trying to build a house, co-laboring with Jesus. The reason that we are doing is because every one of us we are in some kind of house, right? Every house has a certain smell to it. Let's use a nice word, aroma to it. Certain culture. You might say, hey, every Thanksgiving we go out. Every time we have birthday, we celebrate this way. Hey, my grandmother always makes this. My you have some kind of thing. But in the same way, the church has a certain aroma, certain cult, certain thing that, that, that separates one house from another house in the way how you build. Right? And so I want to just share a few things very quickly. And the five S. Number one is structure. Is structure. That means for a church to survive, there's a church to thrive. That means for a church to be life-giving, it needs to have structure. If you're in a business, guess what? Your business will never thrive until and unless it has some structure. Okay. You can be a mom and pop where you do everything, you control everything, and you're going to be a mom and pop all your life. Or you can put a structure that channels vision through that channels values through and watch it bloom and grow. And so structure is how we are organized to equip, strengthen, and grow. And so the question is, anytime if you want to be part of church, well, what is the structure of the church? How is the church equipped to grow, strengthen? How is the church uh, uh, laid out like that? And so when we read the Bible, 
We find this. We find in the book of Ephesians a famous verse that we should know. It says, Jesus has appointed some with the grace to be apostles, some with the grace to be prophets, some with the grace to be evangelists, some with the grace to be pastors, some with the grace to be teachers. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. And so please understand, for God's church, God's healthy church, a church needs to have an input from the apostles, from the prophets, from the teachers, from the evangelists, and not just the pastors. But people are very familiar, oh he preaches, let's call him pastor. Listen, you just don't need a pastor. You need a prophet. You need an evangelist. And then so I am praying that IFC has all five. Amen. Not one person, but groups of people. We don't have just one prophet, but groups of prophets. We're not just one evangelist, but group. Why? Because the Bible says this. They will do this. They will help you discover your ministry. They will nurture you. They'll bring you to maturity. And so I want to say this to you. IFC is very open and very welcoming of the five-fold ministry, not just the ministry of a pastor. Am I making sense to you? That's why when we do the boot camps, that's why when we, we try to bring in people in. Why? To uplift what we have and uplift what was going on, to nurture that. The Bible says something like this in Acts chapter number 16. The number of Jesus followers kept multiplying greatly, but a complaint was brought against those who spoke Aramaic by the Greek-speaking Jews who felt their widows were overlooked. Now, when you read the book of Acts, let me stop here for a moment. Every church membership in the book of Acts, every church leadership in the book of Acts was multicultural and multi-ethnic. There was no Jewish church, there was no Greek church. It was all multi-ethnic and multicultural. Every leadership that you can read in the book of Acts. You know? And he says, listen to this. He says, we want, verse 3, to carefully select from among yourself seven godly men. Make sure they are honorable, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And we will give them responsibility of this crucial ministry of serving. Now what was happening in this church the church had a food distribution. They would take care of widows and, and things like that. And so, the, 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 in a sense, the, the spiritual leaders were doing those things. And they said, hey, listen, we need to give our time to prayer and study of God's word. We need people to step up to the plate and serve. They didn't go around. Well, since you got nothing to do, hey, can you help us here? Since you got some free time. No, what they said, I said, let's look at some people who are full of the Holy Spirit, who are full of wisdom, who are filled of the fear of the Lord, who are willing. He said, let's take some people and let's ask them to serve. The worst thing we can do is find people who have nothing to do and give them a job. The best thing you can do is find people full of the Holy Spirit who say, you know what, this is priority, I'll make time for this. Am I making sense to you? Said, so, what do you mean structure? This is what I want to say to you. We are moving away from something and going into something. And so in 2023, what I want to do as a church, I want to do is this, that I want to present some sense of spiritual leadership over IFC. Okay. So that you know who are the people in a team working together with the vision of the church. 
Okay. And so up till now, we've always used our home group leaders. Every time we call for prayer, but, but we have never set aside what we call elders. We've never set aside what we call eldership in the church. And so this year, that is what I want to do and present the church so that you know that there is a, a governing team of people, not just one person. Am I making sense to you? And I'll tell you why in just a moment. Number two, the second S is systems. That means, hey, what are some of the things that are important to IFC? What are some of the resources? What are some of the things that we like to do that that we think uh, uh, we can do? And so uh, we are going to develop some systems. Why? Systems answers the how question. Okay. For example, if I was going to a new, ch- if I moved out of here and, and I was in New York or I was in Los Angeles and I wanted to find a church and I, I like a particular church that I felt like the Holy Spirit is leading me to and planting me, then I have a lot of how. For example, uh, how like how can I grow spiritually? How can I get trained in the vision God has for me? How do I join a life group? How do I start a life group in my house? How do I know more about the church? How can I serve in the church? And maybe some of you, you are here in this church and you've been coming for a time and, and you're maybe not clear on any of those things. And so I want to say to you that this in 2023, that's what I'm committing to. I'm committing to developing systems that answer a lot of your how questions. Am I making sense to you? Number three, let me go through this fast because of time. Number three is strategy. The third thing that you need in the church is strategy. What is strategy? Strategy means, hey, what is our plan of action? What is our plan of action? What are some specific things that goals-wise, what are specific things that you are wanting to do in the local church? You know, Andy Stanley says, life change happens in circles, not in rows. What that simply means is this, that, that hey, how can we get people involved? Who is a church member? Not somebody who comes every Sunday and sits down and warms up the chair. That's not a church member. That's somebody who's gone for a movie. Who's a church member? Who comes in and who serves. Why? In the Bible, the word service and worship is used simultaneously. Worship is not just singing slow song. I love you, Lord. People say, I just had a worship time. No, you didn't. What you had is an emotional moment because you're going through some bad experiences and now you feel good about yourself. But what worship is, 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 is what God is getting out of this. Some people, the worship is so good. Why? Because I got something out of it. Boy, I was going through a bad thing and I just started worshiping and I felt the presence of... That's not worship. Question is, what did God get out of it? And so anything that is not directed to God, not worship. (laughs) Like songs like, I am a friend of God. He calls me. That's for you, not for God. (laughs) I I understand what I'm doing. It's a great song, good praise song. Not worship. Why? Because worship needs to be directed. But it's not just music. It's when we serve. The Bible says something like this. When we do, we do it not unto man, but we do it as unto the Lord. Am I making sense to you? And so he, he said, what is our plan of action? Number one, my plan of action is how can I get every person at IFC serving? (laughs) 
That's what I want to do. How can I get every member of my serving? Why? Because you can do something. You have a <laughs> gift that needs to be used in the body of Christ to uplift people. Am I making sense to you? How can I get everyone in a live group? Why? Because it's inconvenient. Listen, church is not about convenience. If you're looking for a convenient church, IFC is the wrong place. I'll tell you right up front. Church is not about convenience. I was teaching in Charleston about the ark yesterday. They took... The Bible says when David brought the ark, they had to go almost six and a half miles and every six steps, please understand, every mile there are 5,280 steps or feet. Every six steps, one, two, three, four, five, six, offer a sacrifice. One, two, three, four, five, six. That's a long way. You got six miles to go. Six steps, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Sunday is a day of sacrifice. It's not laundry day. It's not grocery shopping day. Sunday is not the weekend. It's not the last day. It's the first day of the week. Read your Bible. And so Sunday is the tithe. What is tithe? Tithe means the first and the best part. I give it to the Lord. That's what. It's not the day to clean out your closet. It's not the day to organize your suddenly. It's amazing. Suddenly, I want to clean up the garage. It's not been cleaned four years. And how come you only want to do it on a Sunday? What I'm saying, you might be good at tithe. Every Sunday you go and put your 10% tithe. Listen, tithe is more than just money. It's your time. It's your talents. It's your treasure. Everything. This is the... It's not, it's not just 10%, but it's the first and the best part. Amen. Hello, somebody. Just because you give time, money. That's one small portion. Very small portion. It's easy to write a check and drop it in. Very hard to make time for God. Very hard to serve. And then, so what are you trying to do? I'm just trying to get people serving, and I'm just trying to get people involved in a life growth. Why? Because it's, it's not convenient. Why? Because that's the only way you'll grow. Number four. I got a few minutes. Number four. Spiritual. We've got to ask, hey, what are some of the things that God has spoken to you as a church? What are the spiritual foundations that we are building the church upon? And I shared some of these things last week, but I'll just point it out again to you. Is this that when, when, dad, when my dad started a church, he started the church with having seven scriptural promises. Those seven scriptural promises was the foundation of why and how the IFC church was built. And if you don't know, I'm going to give it to you. And of course, one you should already know, and that is this, Daniel 11, 32. People that do know their God shall be strong and do exploit. It's one of the spiritual foundations. And so if you're going to be part of this church, I encourage you to memorize that verse. Keep it in your heart. Why? Because that's the foundation we're building on. Number two, Psalm 68, 8, 6. God places in families. He leads, God places, I don't know what happened to this. The lonely in families. He leads prisoners out of prison. Oh, that's where it went. 
He lifts prisoners out of prison into productive lives. That's called copy and paste did not work well. And so this is where we get the foundation that we want to be a family church. Why? What does family mean? That means that everybody should have a sense of identity, to have a sense of belonging, to have a sense of significance. Am I making sense to you? Whether you're married, whether you're alone, whether you come from a broken place, whether, it doesn't matter what's going on. God can take your life and plug it into family. And so when my dad started the church, he wanted to, be, hey, how can we build family? How can we offer people a place where they have a fathers and mothers, where they have brothers and sisters? Doesn't matter what kind of background, but they can plug in. Number three, the third was that, 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 that when dad started the church, a promise was there. He said, call unto me and I will answer you. My dad always used to say, call unto me and you'll not get an answering machine. And show you great and mighty things, fenced in and hidden, which you do not know, do not distinguish, uh, recognize, have knowledge of, or understand. The fourth pro- uh, uh, scriptural promise is Isaiah 59, 21. That God, Dad built the church upon this promise that God gave him. Is this, from now onward, my spirit will rest on them and not depart from them. And my prophetic words will fill their mouths and they will not depart from them, nor from their children, nor from their descendants, nor from now on or forever, says Lord Yahweh. And the reason that God spoke that word to dad and the reason that dad built IFC is how can we do something generationally? How can we take something and make sure that it doesn't remain with one generation but it's passed on from your children to your children to your children's children? Am I making sense to you? And so can I tell you something? We want to build IFC generationally. That it lasts here not for the next 20 years but the next 120 years. Am I making sense to you? generationally. And that's why we take very importance in how can we do this? How can we build in that way? Number five is Acts 3.19. I believe that build the church on having this thrive scripture verse. And that is this, to build a revival culture. How can we host, how can we experience a move of God in the Church. It says epoch making periods of spiritual renewal and refreshment from the presence of the Lord. Number six scripture verse is Second Timothy chapter two. He said, Listen, take the teachings and again pass it down and raise up people and entrust them with these teachings and let them find other people. There should be something that is constantly passed on from one generation to another generation. And lastly is this. Proverbs 19.21, many are plans in a man's heart, but it is God's purpose. Like, listen, everything, we can plan stuff, but first we need to ask, what is God's purpose? Make sure the plans are secondary and the purpose is first. And then the second part is this, over the years, God has used many, many prophetic voices and if you don't know, we used to put this up last year, I think it'd be for that, on the screen all the time. Some of the significant prophetic words spoken over IFC. That number one, that this will be an apostolic and a prophetic house. What does that mean? That means that there'll be people who are trained to hear the voice of God. Trained to understand and know the plans and purposes of God for the church and for our city. Number two, a school of prophets. Number three, a new sounds in worship. Number four, a house of divine provision, miracle supply. These are prophetic words that have been going over the church. Number five, to be a sickness-free zone. 
Number six, to be a house of restoration. Number seven, to be an epicenter of revival reign. Number eight, to be a launching pad for marketplace entrepreneurs. Number nine, to be a prophetic voice in our business, in governments, and local leadership. The reason I put this up is because these are prophetic words that have been spoken over the church. And the Bible says, listen, make warfare by the prophecies that have been given to you. Am I making sense to you? And lastly, number five, skills. What are we good at? What are we good at? What are we good at? 